Today's Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain. Leaders in 1987 to 2018, Wrangler parts and accessories. Extreme Terrain makes it easy to mod your Wrangler by providing you with expertise and customer support with bona fide Wrangler experts. Stay tuned to later in this episode for Extreme Terrain's Make-A-Wish Foundation Build Announcement featuring over 100 parts and 800-plus man-hours for Earl's TJ Wrangler. Wow, that's amazing. And today's Jeep Talk Show is also sponsored by Tom Woods Custom Drive Shafts. Now, you've heard of them. For over 20 years, Tom's Wood, Tom Woods has been providing the off-road industry with some of the strongest, most durable driveline upgrades there are. If you're in the need of Tom Woods, or the best under your Jeep, really, stay tuned later in the show to how to find, you, how to find out you can get 10% off your order between now and the end of June. Almost over. Until then, head over to 4xshaft.com to start upgrading your ride now. Oh, and check that purchase when it comes for a bright, shiny new Jeep Talk Show sticker inside. And don't forget about Route 16 Off-Road. Veteran-owned and operated community-focused brand Route 16 Off-Road works hard to get you the best deals possible on the parts and accessories you want. Let Route 16 help you find that next replacement part or upgrade. Check them out. Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X dot com. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back, strap in, and brace uh, Hey, Tony, do you know what a Jeepertunity is? Uh, it was, if it's knocking, then maybe I don't want to know. Tammy, do you know what the hell he's talking about? Tony, I have, I don't know half of what he's talking about. <laughs> Most of the time. Uh, well, hopefully we'll find out later. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. It's officially summer, and that means pool toys, trips to the park, and of course, cool stuff for the Jeep. When you need to get the things to make the summer that much better, Amazon is the place to go. And now you can help support the Jeep Talk Show when you're getting your summer on by using our link, jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon, or by clicking the Amazon button at jeeptalkshow.com. And thanks in advance. Well, is the proposed Grand Wagoneer going to be DOA? Well, back in early January of 2011, Sergio Marchione was quoted as saying, it's time we gave the market an upper-scale Grand Wagoneer. Almost like Babe Ruth pointing a finger at the grandstands, Marchione then proclaimed that we'd see this new Grand Waggy in January of 2013. Now, had that actually come to fruition, the Grand Wagoneer would have been a Grand Slam. Now, seven years later, with various economic factors in flux and still with no Grand Wagoneer in sight, the question arises, will the luxury three-row Jeep appear after the SUV game is over? The general consensus among long-standing FCA dealers is that, at the very least, it's going to be a much harder market to play in. Another big question is just what got in the way of the Grand Wagoneer to begin with. Shifting plans for and the need to pour money into Alfa Romeo is pretty much at the top of the list. A debate about what kind of vehicle the Wagoneer should be, a unibody Range Rover rival or a body-on-frame Chevrolet Suburban foe. After that, what should the thing look like? And then there's the Fiat Chrysler's North American manufacturing capacity, which can't really shoehorn space for a Grand Wagoneer production 
at the same time as it needs lines running for two Ram 1500 models. And, well, the last point is what could push Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer's arrival to 2021 or later. Outside the company, at least one Bank of America Merrill Lynch analyst believes that the economic forces, such as a shrinking car market, more competition, higher interest rates on more expensive cars, lower used prices, and higher gas prices will soon bring an end to the Goldilocks phase of the crossover mania that we're currently seeing. And he isn't alone. With an IHS analyst saying the same thing three years ago, another IHS analyst diving deeper into the declining numbers two years ago, and three other analysts breaking down depressed used car prices, fuel prices are anyone's guess, though, but those other pressures could squeeze retailers trying to sell high-end luxury SUVs. No one expects the Grand Wagoneer to completely fail, yet dealers don't expect the vehicle to particularly sell itself, either. Currently, there is just too much speculation to lock down a future, if there is one at all, for the revival of the Wagoneer. I'll point out a little hope here. Uh, the A in D DOA is arrival, so that means it actually has arrived. But it might be dead on arrival, but it's here, and I don't think that's well, going to happen. This is going to be, uh, what was $120,000 SUV is what they were yeah, looking at? <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> six ridiculous. figures is... Yeah, six figures is the price tag that we were hearing. I think that came down to around 90000 at one point. Oh. But again, this is all speculation on right. a vehicle that hasn't even really been made yet. And now we saw something kind of sort of come out of the woodwork uh, over this last Easter Jeep Safari when Jeep rolls out, you know, as usual, some of their amazing concepts. And they had a Wagoneer concept. Now, it was more or less a kaiser era type of wagoneer that had a lot more modern flair to it that is definitely not going to be the type of wagoneer that we're going to see coming out of out of jeep here in the next few years it's going to be a larger brand luxury suv that is definitely going to be taking on either land rover or some of the bigger gms so uh i'm you know i'm curious when you say kaiser are you talking world war one well, no, not the. I'm talking, you know, the old, uh, the old, uh, you know, Chrysler AMC type of, you know, it, it had that Kaiser esque type of front end. The old big Wagoneers kind of had that, had that look to them still that carried over from the old Kaiser days. Yeah, I don't know what the Kaiser reference is. Is that, I think what I'm getting at here. Uh, the only oh, every time I every time funny. I hear that I I think of World War One and the Kaiser and I oh, I, see, I, don't I think even know what I think is. of the sandwich bun I think of the roll <laughs> I, I go to food for me <laughs> it's but, always yeah. food yes that's what <laughs> I was thinking too I'm surprised it's not food for me <laughs> we probably don't have those here yeah uh, but uh, no I I don't know if if I had a choice between and if I like to think I do uh, the the Grand Wagoneer or the Jeep truck. Jeep truck, mm. hands oh. down. I can I, use I'm, a Jeep oh, truck. Yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty sure there about 99% of our listeners are in that boat too. Well, I think that might be one of the reasons why they, they're not going the Grand Wagoneer route. I mean, if you have limited places to build something, wouldn't you want to build something that people are excited about? You know, that's a really good point. And I'm surprised that that they haven't we haven't heard more about that actually because that makes the most sense out of everything at all. Now, obviously these other points definitely carry some weight. A lot of oh, money yeah. going to Alfa Romeo, you know, production abilities, you know, the whole nine yards. But that does pencil out. That makes some sense. Well, I get lucky. <laughs> Well, hey, if you want to get lucky, there's a chance that you might have the winning bid on this. Now, a Wrangler built by students is being auctioned off to benefit the own the own school program that they are in. 
Now, a SEMA shown Jeep Wrangler, that is, it was shown during this last Special Equipment Manufacturers Association show in Las Vegas. The big one, guys. Now, that it was custom built by a magnet school in New Mexico, and it's being auctioned to benefit the same group of kids that actually built it. The proceeds of the sale will be used to fund another automotive project for the students. Now, the 2015 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited that they built is the result of a partnership between the Santa Fe Early College Opportunities Auto Tech School and SEMA, which, through a tech training program, allowed high school students to build this one-of-a-kind Jeep. Now, in, in addition to SEMA sponsorship, a total of 23 automotive aftermarket companies donated over 20 grand worth of parts, ranging from wheels to suspension components and even a winch. Now, because a hardcore Jeep of this caliber just isn't complete without a winch. I mean, come on. You know, the off-road beast has seen only 14,500 miles. I mean, this thing's barely even broken in in its stock form. Now, it's currently listed without a reserve on Bring a Trailer, and it has less than six days left and currently at least a $50,000 bid. Now, according to the listing, SEMA will donate 100% of the winning bid to the school so they can get to work on another cool automotive project, and even Bring a Trailer will contribute the 5% buyer's fee that they normally charge. The aftermarket equipment is hefty with this one too, guys. But some of the most noteworthy tweaks took place under the hood and on the chassis. And check this out. The original 3.6 liter Pentastar V6 received a healthy dose of oomph, courtesy of an Elderbrock supercharger and a wide variety of air intake goodies from k Engineering, including a snorkel. The exhaust system was also overhauled with a cat-back single-exit uh, single exhaust kit, courtesy of Flowmaster. Now, running over logs and crawling over boulders will be a whole lot easier thanks to Icon shocks with remote reservoirs and adjustable track bars in the front and rear. Of course, the rolling stock was also upgraded with 17-inch rebound wheels wrapped with 37-inch Altero Trail, Boss, Trail Blade Boss tires. If you're looking for a summer toy and a great cause to benefit, you might just hit the jackpot if you have the winning bid. If you're interested in checking this Jeep out, we'll have a link in the show notes for this episode at JeepTalkShow.com. So all you guys have been uh, been on forums before, and one of the things, Jeep forums, and one of the things that you do uh, in the signature, I, I don't know if people still do it or not, but uh, one of the things that you would do was list your modifications. And you'd see some people put on there, too numerous to, to mention all of them. I don't want to forget anybody. <laughs> I love them all type thing. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine winning this Jeep and going to a forum, a Jeep forum, and listing the things that you, I mean, oh, yeah. it would be easier because you could just copy and paste, but you wouldn't have to remember, remember all and all the pain and suffering that you went through doing them. Yeah. 20 grand worth of parts. That's a wow. fair amount. Well, that, that reminds me of the, what was it? Crawling for cops, uh, a Cherokee they give away. To yeah. Him. Yeah. When he was reading that, I thought about the, the same thing because uh, yeah. they, they spent that much money on, uh, on that Cherokee, didn't they? Yeah, it was, I think it ended up being worth $42,000. Good God. Can you imagine having a $42,000 Cherokee? That's like yeah, a, yes, I can. That's like a $120,000 <laughs> Grand Wagoneer, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to take a second to thank the loyal listeners out there who help us out each and every week by sending in news tips for the show. You guys can do it too. Just let us know what you have by giving us a call or shooting us an email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. Wait, it's been a little while since we've heard the story. The whole story, that is. We're going to hear the full Jeep Mama story coming up later in the show. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. 
And we'd like for you guys to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network website. The next time you're online, just pop over to 4x4 or 4x4radionetwork.com. You'll see the Jeep Talk Show there, of course. But we've got something for uh, all your other... non-Jeep buddies, too. It's okay. It's not their fault. But be sure to tell them about the 4x4 podcast, the Center Steer podcast, the Trail Chasers podcast, and our newest member, too, the On the Trail podcast. This is Steve, 4.3LXJ, with another Jeep tip. And I'd like to continue our series on the Dana 30 axle. And this time I'd like to talk about axle shafts. And there was basically two kinds of axle shafts that were used in the Dana 30 front end for uh, the later Jeeps. And uh, I'm not going to talk about the uh, CJ series axles because they were basically all the same and and there's no idiosyncrasies about those. But there are a few things to know about the uh, uh, XJ axles, the ZJs, the TJs, and YJs and so forth. And so we're going to talk about those. When Jeep uh, first made the XJ, uh, that is the Cherokee and uh, the TJs, the uh, Wranglers with the leaf springs, they uh, had a thing called a front axle disconnect on those. And uh, if you have one, it's pretty obvious. If you don't have it, that's obvious too. The uh, passenger side axle tube has uh, a swelled up place on it. You can see where the tubes are pushed inside of a casting and there's a thing with a vacuum diaphragm on it or a vacuum motor if you prefer. And there should be some vacuum lines going to it if you're going to operate it properly. And what this did was that it actually acted as an axle brake, uh, that is in broken axle. Uh, when it disconnected, the uh, right wheel would turn independently of the left wheel, even in four-wheel drive uh, on any kind of conditions you could, you could name because it just made the axle shaft basically into two pieces. And this was kind of a cool deal for mileage. It was the answer to getting out and turning the selective hubs. So when they came up with the unit bearing, they came up with this so that when you shifted into four-wheel drive, vacuum from the engine went through the vacuum switch on the transfer case up to the front axle. And as the uh, transfer case engaged the uh front axle and began to spin it and ramp it up, this uh, vacuum mechanism would slide a collar over and it would connect the two halves of the uh, passenger side axle. And a lot of people think that, well, this is kind of a weak axle. Well, no, it isn't. Uh, I've never heard of a breakage at this connection point. And if you take one apart, it's really quite heavy duty. It's the strongest part of the axle. But There are problems that arise from this, and that is if you have a vacuum failure, you no longer have four-wheel drive. And so a lot of people complain that, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I had four-wheel drive. And and the way that you test it is is you put your vehicle with the engine running into four-wheel drive lock or four-wheel drive, uh, whatever you want to call it, so if the axle is is locked, and or you can call it part-time four-wheel drive, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, you engage that front axle. If you jack up one front wheel, leave all the others on the ground, just one front wheel a little bit. If you can turn that wheel independently and just spin it, then you don't have four-wheel drive. If you cannot turn that wheel, then your system is working. Simple test. So uh, what do you do with the thing? Well, 
I got tired of mine, and the fact is, if you uh, have a vacuum diaphragm failure, that uh, it costs you about 170 bucks to uh, replace that vacuum diaphragm. That's a lot of money for a vacuum diaphragm. So the uh, thing is, is that you can take it apart, and you can just shim the uh, uh, shift fork on that collar. You can shim it over. I used a little piece of copper tubing that I slipped over the shaft, uh, a nut, anything you want so that it's shimmed over permanently. And then you have a permanently connected passenger side axle. The other thing you can do, you can buy kits to uh, put bicycle cable shifts on it to uh, shift it manually if you want to retain it. Uh, there's uh, a couple different styles of those out there. But uh, the easiest thing to do is cut a little piece of copper tubing and slip it over that shaft. With that, we'll leave the vacuum disconnect alone, and we'll continue again next time talking about the Dana 30 axle. See you on the trail. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. Tammy, I got to ask, has somebody been pushing your buttons in person? There's, there's uh, a lot of button, a lot button talk going on here. <laughs> it goes from top five to buttons, and maybe we'll go back to top five. <laughs> top five buttons. There you go. And the Rubicon has lots of buttons. I love buttons. And speaking of buttons, um, this button is not only in the Rubicon, but it is in, I believe, all the Wranglers from 07 and up. Um, I could be wrong, but it's called the Hill Descent Control Button. And so I'm going to explain um, how it's used, what you use it for. And I've only used this button a couple of times, just wanting to see what it does. And when I first used it, it was like, wow, I felt like I was in um, Kit from Knight Rider because it was doing all the work itself. Um, but it's a button right by your heated seat button. Or, you know, if you don't have heated seats, it's next to your hazards button on the center of your dash by the cigarette lighter. Well, it used to be the cigarette lighter, but now it's a phone charger, I guess. So, the button has a picture of a vehicle going at a downward angle. And the vehicle, this is really weird, too. I don't know why Jeep made this vehicle. It looks like a minivan. I don't know why they didn't use the Willys Jeep, but anyway... It's a vehicle going down the hill. And you use this button when you feel like you're in a situation where you feel you need to have the Jeep do the braking for you. And the button is intended for low-speed off-road driving. And what it does is it, it maintains the Jeep's speed while descending hills in off-road driving conditions by applying the brakes when necessary. And you're going to know this feature is activated when you see a little symbol light up on your dash. All the features on the Jeep, like the sway bar, the axle locks, all those features, you see it illuminated on your dash in between the two, the speedometer um, and the RPMs. Um, anyway, it's a solid light when it's armed, and it can only be activated when your transfer case is in the four low position and the Jeep has to be going less than 30 miles per hour. Now, if you're in this mode, you can override the feature 
by applying the brakes yourself if you feel like you need to stop or to slow down more, or if you feel like you need to use more speed, you can apply the gas. And once you release the brake or the accelerator, the HDC, the hill descent control, will engage back to the original speed. Now, I'm told, and I'm not sure if this is 100% right, but I'm pretty positive that the Jeep's computer is using the ABS ESP system in conjunction with the wheel speed sensors to modulate the brakes. And I believe each individual wheel is braking when necessary. Um, and this is really helpful, especially for new Jeep owners off-roading who um, don't know that you have to go really slow down certain hills over rocks. And um, it's a really cool feature to use. However, I now personally like to do the braking and myself. But it can also, um, from what I'm told, can do less wear on your brakes if you use this feature. I don't know, Tony and Josh, anything you want to add? Yeah, Tammy, now I, I haven't gotten 100% confirmation on this, but uh, there's, there is a sensor in a lot of Jeeps that, that kind of um, keep an eye on the, the vehicle's attitude at all times. You know, it, it's monitoring a lot of different systems all at once, and, and I believe that it even monitors the vehicle's position in relation to a level ground. Um, in the sense that, you know, this this feature may not work unless the vehicle is on an 8% downgrade or steeper. So uh, ah. you couldn't uh, you couldn't use this, uh, for instance, rolling down the driveway. Your driveway probably doesn't have an 8% right. downgrade to it. Right. Um, so that might be something to test out. You know, it might be something interesting, a little experiment to try next time you're out on the trail. This trail is not so steep. Maybe I'll try it. Oh, look, the light stays flashing. This uh, trail is pretty steep. Uh, maybe I'll try it here. Look, it stays on. So, you know, that, that might be something to check out. I don't know if it's that way on every Jeep. It might be um, on the newer ones, uh, maybe on just the JKs. I don't know. But that might be something you want to take into consideration. And uh, if you see that light flashing on the dash and you're going down a hill and, hey, why isn't this working? That might be why. Now, another thing I've heard is that this feature can be controlled, yes, by your brake pedal and your gas pedal, but also by the cruise control buttons. So those uh, little arrows that you have over there on the side or whatever, you can you can kind of click those. It might be a little bit easier and you know, but more fine-tuned controlling uh, to bring that speed up or bring it back down a little bit more uh, if you need to go a little faster or a little slower going down that. So another something to try when you're out on the trail trying to use this uh, you know descent assist button. And but yes, this does work through the ABS system, and it does apply micro brake pressure. And we're talking about micro little pulses, and these are controlled a lot more accurately and a lot more consistently than your foot can do. And this will save a little bit of brake wear. Yes, Tammy, in the sense that as you're going down a hill, you're going to be on and off and on and off and on and off that brake. And, you know, the, the, the pressure that you're applying can be greater at times than what this system will be, will be applying to the brake system. Yeah, there's no emotion involved in the uh, the automated system. It just reads yeah. the sensor, right. sensor information. <gasps> well, it's oh, not, yeah. okay, it's know, not looking yeah. over that ledge. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, the Jeep, Jeep's not afraid like I am. Yeah, well, you, the, actually, the Jeep will kill itself a lot easier than you would allow your, your right. Jeep and yourself to be killed. Um, so uh, there's just two things. And really, the only thing I have to add to this, because I, I thought it was just basically putting it in first gear and keeping it there. And that was what's going to be the 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 uh, the complete uh, hill descent control. But to hear that it breaks and potentially breaks uh, various uh, different uh, wheels uh, when it needs to, 
All I can say is that's one smart-ass Jeep. Exactly. Well, it is. It is, yeah. Well, it's, it's also using the ESP, the Electronic Stability Program, uh, within the Jeep as well. And so this is monitoring, you know, what those tires are doing several hundred, if not thousand times a second. And that's how you can get this really controlled descent without breaking traction and slipping those wheels on on loose rock and stuff. There's there's actually some cool videos if you guys want to check out, um, you know, some of this, how this works in an action. Jeep actually did a really cool and funny, uh, actually, <laughs> promo video about this uh, that you can find on YouTube. Oh, Tammy, this would be a great and, video for your YouTube channel. Well, speaking of that, uh, there is one on YouTube. Um, when I did my Jeep Mama's Garage how-to, which I just posted um, Sunday, I used video of myself going down a hill the first time I used this feature. So you can see my Jeep going down the hill during this. It's probably not as funny and fun as the Jeep video, but... Um, and there you go. It's on my YouTube channel. So, folks, next week on Wrangler Talk, I plan on sharing about the auto ship feature on the Wranglers. And coming up later in the show, we're going to hear from Nikki G. Oh, we have to. <laughs> so, you guys have to know about the, uh, the Alexa app that we have uh, available. You can listen to the entire show, all the shows, on the Alexa. I mean, uh, we've said it before. Your 95-year-old grandmother, she's into Jeeps, but she doesn't have time to mess with that smartphone and press the uh, the Jeep Talk Show play button. Well, it just gets really simple. Go spend $39, get Grandma a uh, Alexa, and she can just, uh, well, she can do something like this. Alexa, ask the Jeep Talk Show to play the latest episode. Welcome. You can listen to all the episodes of Jeep Talk Show, a Jeep podcast, including new episodes as they are released. For now, you'll start with the most recent episode, but you can change by skipping forward or backward. You can even say how many episodes you'd like to skip. You know, the thing will even keep up with where you left off, so you can resume it later. you got more than one uh, device, Alexa device, or even have the app on your phone, you can listen to it wherever you go. So go over to your uh, Alexa app on your phone, your smartphone. Uh, enable the Jeep Talk Show uh, skill, and then you can listen to the uh, Jeep Talk Show, all the episodes, on your Amazon Echo Alexa. And if your grandma sounds like Tony, call the doctor. Mm-hmm. She's one lucky, well, <laughs> she's one, <laughs> one lucky lady. I'll just put it that way. Hey, Jeep Talk, it's Lugnut from Southeast Georgia again. Um, well, I run into a an experience today. Uh, for the last week, I've been smelling fuel, and so today I decided I was going to drop and find out where out where the leak's coming from. Well, the juke was leaking from the fuel tank, so I dropped the tank, and what I found was very unsafe. Um, the so-called mechanic before me had JV welded the fuel pressure regulator, the output. Um, as a mechanic myself for over 12 years, that's kind of not safe at all. Uh, I just want to let y'all know, uh, let everybody know, y'all, if y'all are working on your Jeeps, Fuel system, steering, and brakes. 
don't rig those up. Any, I mean, you can rig up all kinds of stuff. Your steering, your fuel, and your brakes is real dangerous to be playing with. Go ahead and spend $130 on a fuel pressure regulator. Don't be playing with it. If you need fuel line, replace the fuel line. If you need brake line, go get some high-quality brake line and get a good flare tool if you know how to do it. If not, like they've always said, if you're not comfortable doing it, take it to a certified mechanic. Uh, thanks, y'all. Figured I'd let y'all know. All right. Appreciate Keep up the good work. Later. Why do I get the feeling he's talking to Supercroc? <laughs> I don't know about all that, but no, that's good advice from Lugnut there, and, and thanks for calling in, man. I really appreciate that, and and sorry about the uh, finding the finding a little bit of bad news there. That's that's never fun going in after somebody else's work only to find out that they they really kind of half-assed it, and and yeah, he yeah. he's right, man. That's that's not that's not the kind of stuff you want to be using on your fuel system. Obviously, in an emergency, you got to get down off the trail. The mountains on fire. You know, maybe that's something you want to you, you you have to do, but uh, for long term, good God, no. Well, maybe he was going to get back to it. <laughs> it, just, it was bubble gum. It just got really, really hard. <laughs> you know, if there in, seriously though, if there had been a, a a big ball of fire and that jeep was consumed by the by the fire, nobody would have ever ever have known about the JB weld. I mean, some forensic scientist may have been able to figure it out, but generally speaking, it would just been I don't know what happened. It, it caught on fire. Yep. Many of our listeners have probably heard about the Make-A-Wish Foundation, a nonprofit organization that grants wishes for children with debilitating and life-threatening medical conditions. Turn 5, home to ExtremeTerrain.com, has been working with the Make-A-Wish Foundation for several years now, granting wishes that range from trips to four-wheeler parks to complete vehicle builds and restorations. Their most recent wish was granted to a young lad from Yardley, Pennsylvania, named Earl. Earl is your typical 18-year-old and Jeep enthusiast, but he was born with a condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. He w his wish was to have his O2 Wrangler Sport transformed into an off-road capable machine, and he turned to the team at Extreme Terrain to completely transform his TJ. Now, if you think this was your basic bolt-on, lick-and-stick type of build, boy, are you guys wrong. Earl's TJ wasn't overly abused over its lifetime. However, it was definitely well-used. Enough so to warrant tracking down a new used frame from Ohio, of all places. Now, this build turned frame off restoration went through over 100 parts and 800 plus man hours of labor. That's a lot. Earl's Jeep is now one of the few, if not the only, TJs in the entire country to have power everything windows locks and a convertible top even now earl's tj was unveiled to him at turn five's annual company picnic surrounded by friends family and a bunch of food trucks too he immediately reacted with shock awe and complete disbelief when he saw his newly restored wrangler it was an emotional moment to say the least with more than a few people getting choked up the extreme terrain team couldn't be happier to return this badass jeep to you earl you deserve it Visit Earl's Make-A-Wish build page today on ExtremeTerrain.com to read the entire story, see the build pictures, and check out the extensive list of parts and even watch the video they got there. This link will be The link to this page is also available on today's show notes at JeepTalkShow.com. Tom Woods has been doing only four-wheel drive and drive shaft and slip yoke eliminators for 20 years. As an American-owned operating company, they provide solutions trusted by your average weekend wheeler all the way to the rock-crushing kings of the hammer. 
If you have a Jeep, Tom Woods Custom Drive Shaft has a solution for you. Using their house-developed Gold Seal Universal Joints, you can count on the strength of your drive shaft at its weakest and most abused points. And if you're concerned about warranties, it doesn't get any better than their trail hazard protection. If a weld ever breaks, they take care of it. If a Gold Seal Universal Joint breaks, they take care of it. But also, any damage to the, the drive shaft. Those other companies just put a new joint in your hand and send you on your way. Tom Woods loves Jeeps. In fact, he has three highly modified Jeeps, so he understands your passion, and so do his employees. Tom Woods custom drive shafts are always ship complete, balanced, greased, and ready to install. They pay attention to the finest details, so you are less likely to run into any issues. If you've ever experienced a drive shaft problem, you know just how important this is. When you research uh, custom drive shafts, there is just one name that tops the list, Tom Wood. Trust, this, trust them with one of the most critical parts of your driveline. And from now until the end of June, you can get 10% off your order using the exclusive Jeep Talk Show promo code. At checkout, just enter in JTS18-1, JTS18-1, and you'll get the exclusive discount. Promo code is not invalid is not valid with any other offer, discount, or promotion. It is only good until the end of June. It's coming up, folks. Visit Tom Woods Custom Drive Shafts today. Just go to www.4xshaft.com. Route 1 6 Off-Road brings you the best gear from the best brands in the off-road community all in one place. From Power Tank to KC Highlights, from Nitro to Crazy Beaver, They've got Poison Spider, Rugged Ridge, Factor 55, Yukon, Rubicon Express, Warn, Tuffy, and many more. As a community-focused brand, they sponsor some great events, clubs, and organizations from Uwari Off-Road Jamboree to the Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam, from the Carolina Trails Off-Road Uwari Invasion to the Marine Recon Challenge. How about Topsail Island Jeep Week and the 36 hours of Uari Adventure Race Team? Go Team True Patriot. Chances are they're going to be at an event this year you're attending. So make sure you stop by, say hi, or even order your next parts right on the spot in their web orders tent. You can find Route 16 Off-Road on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even Pinterest. Or just head straight over to the website at Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X dot com. Route 16 Off-Road, they live the Jeep life too. Hey, you guys know you can find us pretty much anywhere on the web. You start typing in Jeep Talk and you're going to find us all over the place. Well, you can also find any one of those places a way to leave us a review. Now, we love those five-star reviews, everybody. And of course... If you have some constructive criticism, well, you can leave us a comment as well. And we love reading these comments out on the air. And uh, Tammy, who do we got tonight? We have Isaac E. from Facebook, and he gave us five out of five stars. Woohoo! He says, one of the best Jeeping podcasts that I have listened to. Always having fun and educational. Yeah, we try to do that. Uh, I'm glad that comes across, uh, the, especially the fun part. I think the educational part is uh, is fairly easy. Uh, it's, it's facts and logic and, you know, things that aren't so fun, but neither is a, uh, <laughs> a Jeep on fire. No. Fun education, fun educational infotainment. How about that? Ooh, there you I go. To, I oh, might have yes. to trademark that. Oh, Jeep, yep. Jeep's going to steal that like your infotainment uh, I know. system. <laughs> it's going to be the home screen on the 2019 Jeep systems. <laughs> I just know it. Uh, maybe well, like the, one of those things. Can you spell Mississippi? <laughs> spell that one. 
Hey y'all, it's Logan again. Uh, after replacing the fuel pressure regulator and driving about 40 miles around old hunting club trails, I realized that the Jeep idle was a lot smoother and it got rid of a skip that I'd had for a little while. <laughs> uh, so anybody out there that's uh, got a skip, and you can't figure it out, you might want to check into replacing your fuel pressure regulator. Oh, right, God. Appreciate it. That's Bye. horrible. I'm so glad he didn't lose the Jeep. <laughs> right. I was, was going to yeah, 40 miles and I flopped it, rolled it over, and it's in the record now. Oh, yeah, no, I, I mean know. because of the JB weld thing. I'm so glad it didn't, uh, you know, uh, uh, dynamite on him you know uh, spontaneously combust yeah and, and you know the dana 35 if he has one is very close to the fuel tank you don't want that you don't want double trouble <laughs> near proximity just goes up <laughs> one took out the other <laughs> you got tech questions ah what do i ever we have answers oh that's good because I, I it's tech talk with jeep talk well jared f from arizona writes in saying I'm not overheating, but is there anything I need to know about my cooling system to avoid that? Well, first off, Jared, thanks for writing into the show. If you guys want to write in like Jared did, just shoot me an email, info at jeeptalkshow.com, to have your questions answered on a future Tech Talk. Now, I like Jared. He knows he may not know everything there is to know about his Jeep, and he wants to be proactive about keeping it running the way it's intended. And I think it's safe to say we all pretty much have that as a constant goal. Now, although some research online can get real technical real quick, the cooling system in most Jeeps really isn't all that overly complex, and after today, you'll have a much better understanding of what's going on under the hood that keeps you from overheating. Six to ten components. That's it. That's all that keeps things cool under the hood and your engine running. Now, we're going to go over each one and what it does, and we'll even cover some tips and tricks that can help save you from a steamy, open-hood, bad day on the side of the road or trail. Now, probably the most commonly recognized part of the system, it is also the largest. The radiator is responsible for transferring heat from the circulating coolant within it to the air passing through it. Heated coolant flows into the top of the radiator from the engine. The coolant is passed through a series of tubes, and these tubes all have fins on them that give the radiator its signature look. Now, these fins have air moving across them, which effectively dissipate the heat in the coolant that is inside of those tubes, keeping it at a lower temperature than the engine. Now, of course, that radiator wouldn't be much good if it didn't have the means of keeping all that coolant from spilling out as you go down the road or trail. It needs a lid, or in this case, a cap. All modern radiator caps are actually pressure valves that are responsible for increasing and regulating the pressure in the cooling system. That's right, I bet you didn't know your cooling system is under constant pressure. Increasing the cooling system pressure raises the boiling point of the coolant. For every additional pound of atmospheric pressure, the coolant boiling point increases 3 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, most Jeeps will run about 16 PSI or less in the cooling system. This means that the water in the system will have a boiling point that is at least 40-some-odd degrees higher than the water outside of the system. Hence why it is so important to never, ever open a hot radiator. Decompressing the cooling system suddenly like that, dropping it from 16 PSI to zero, results in an explosion of skin-scalding, superheated coolant that will just ruin your day, trust me, if not your life. Now, as speaking of that coolant, its job, however, is to flow through that hot engine, through all the passages and tubes and hoses, and it absorbs the heat from the engine to be later dissipated into the radiator. Now, in addition to providing improved performance over just plain tap water, most leading antifreeze products contain anti-rust, anti-corrosion additives that prevent sediment buildup and premature failure of the cooling system. 
grabbing the old garden hose or a big pitcher from inside the house will work, but if you want to increase the life of your cooling system components, it's best to use antifreeze even if you're in a typically hot climate like Jared is in Arizona. Now, there's a lot more than one, well, there is more than one place that coolant can sometimes be stored. Sure, the radiator does most of the work of holding and storing the coolant, but the coolant recovery tank also serves as a reservoir. It's res it receives coolant expelled fr from the cooling system through the pressure valve in the radiator cap. It holds the expelled coolant for reintroduction into the cooling system later when it's needed. Now, when additional coolant is needed in the system and the recovery tank is empty, well, the safest way to do it is through the recovery tank, not directly into the radiator. Now, halfway through our list, and we come to the one thing that is the biggest noisemaker in the whole system, and that's the fan. Its job is to do what you can't do at a red light or a stoplight and air in stop-and-go traffic, or when crawling that trail in for low. And that's to pull enough air, enough cool air, through the radiator to aid in dissipating the heat in the coolant. Whether it's a loud performance electric fan or the stock clutch fan, you can't have a cooling system without at least one. Just like with any fan, its job is to move air, and the more air a fan can move, the easier it is to keep the engine cool. Now, of course, we don't necessarily want that fan turning all the time. On cold winter mornings, we'd rather that fan not be there at all, so the heat comes a little bit more quicker. Now, on most vehicles, that fan is driven. the fan that is driven by the engine will have a clutch on it. Now, don't worry, it's not some sort of weird fourth pedal that you didn't know about. This clutch is designed to reduce some of the spin of the fan when the engine is cold, allowing it to come up to temp a little bit faster. Now, when the engine is up to operating temperature, the springs in the clutch ensure the fan is spinning at top speed to ensure the optimum amount of air flowing through the radiator. At slow vehicle speeds, the fan is also required to move enough air through the radiator to ensure proper cooling. At highway speeds, though, the airflow through the radiator is sufficient to provide enough proper cooling without the aid of the fan. The clutch lets the fan freewheel pretty much at highway speeds, reducing horsepower loss. Now we have four more components to cover, but we're going to wrap it up for this week. Next week, we're going to get into the other parts of your cooling system, what they do too. And we're also going to cover a few tips and tricks to help you get as much performance and longevity as you can from the cooling system in your Jeep. So, Josh, I heard or read someplace a while back that the the best coolant that you can put into your engine cooling system is water. Anything you add to that it will make it cool less efficiently. Well, yeah. I mean, if you start putting, you know, eggs and, you know, milk in there, that's pretty, you know, you start taking, pull, pulling some stuff of that, out of the fridge. Some of that Kaiser of bread. You can fix that nah. Kaiser bread toasted <laughs> on the radiator. Yes. Yeah, no, uh, but really, though, I mean, it, there are tons of tests online that, that show you when you start adding some of these additives in there. And honestly, some of the newer uh, newer Jeeps engines, they cannot, their cooling system cannot run on straight water. I mean, it can, but you'll probably have a light on in the dash, and in a week or three, you may end up having to replace some parts because they corroded out or rusted out or whatever. Now, there are, there is a reason and there is good reasons and there are many that you don't want to use just plain water in your Jeep. I mean, if you are one of those that, you know, I'm not ever going to put anything but water in your, in your Jeep, make sure it's not out of the tap or the hose. Use distilled water. Yeah, you get those spider eggs uh, from the hose. Uh, nobody has time for that. So, no, I'm just talking about <laughs> from, from the scientific logic standpoint of it. Uh, it uh, water is the thing that's going to uh, pull the heat away from the hot parts the best anything that you add to that it has a lot of good reasons for it to be there but cooling the jeep is not part of it now whenever things rust out or get clogged up it isn't going to be cooling very well so granted you do need additives to keep that from occurring but scientifically and i'm just 
verifying this with you uh, that water is the best thing that you can put in there for it to be cooling. I'm going to say that is not the end-all be-all and uh, that there is a lot of science out there that proves that proprietary additives can improve cooling. Oh, I think you're being paid under the table. (laughs) I I assure you. I assure you. I am not. Good Lord, I wish. (laughs) Uh, You you Um, like to bribe Josh. (laughs) This is an email, too. (laughs) Press one. Are you listening? (laughs) Yeah. I know this isn't water, but um, just recently when I was at um, Adrenaline Off-Road, he warned me uh, to keep my eye on my radiator um, because... And I don't remember which way it went, if it was because there used to be an orange coolant and then a, now they make a purple one or it was vice versa. Well, you wanted to switch to the purple one. <laughs> <laughs> right. But one of them is um, doing something to. Oh, we, we talked about this, wrong, didn't we? Right. Yeah. The weld points, right? Or something. It wasn't and good. It's causing, right. And it's causing leaks in radiators of the Wranglers. And I can't remember. Maybe Jeff is listening and will um, email me and let me know. But I can't. I think it's the purple one that is causing some issues. Uh, but I could shame. be wrong. Maybe someone else. Yeah, it's like it's almost as bad Call as it. drug interaction with uh, with people and drugs. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, well, hey, do you guys have anything to add to this conversation? Maybe you have a question yourself for Tech Talk. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you've got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them in with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a deck of big old tires and a lighter. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. Yeah, you need to give me a beer. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Well, we have a very special guest tonight, uh, one that you uh, may be already be familiar with. Uh, her name is Tammy. She goes by, is it Mama Jeep or Jeep Mama? Ha <laughs> ha. It's uh, Jeep Mama, and it's M-O-M-M-A. Thank you. That was a, a question that I would have asked uh, a while back because it, it is different. It's not M-A-M-A. I guess that was taken. Right. Um, it, I don't remember if that was taken. I wanted to be just Jeep Mom. And because I was looking for a blog name mm-hmm. um, for a uh, for my website, and Jeep Mom was taken, and um, I don't uh, know why I picked M O M M A. Those anyway, bastards. So I know. Yeah, well, let's start there. Now that's how you actually got started. Well, actually, back up a little bit. If people don't know the original story, uh, how did you actually get into your first Jeep? It all started on a Boy Scout camping event. We were in a caravan with, it was a family camping event. So our family was in um, a Dodge Journey. And um, another dad had all the misfit kids, the kids who didn't take their families. And we're in a caravan on the way to the beach. And he pulls over and he's fiddling with the top of his Jeep. And we set, rolled our window down and we're like, are you okay? And <laughs> are he's you like, okay? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And, you know, we get to the campsite and all of a sudden he pulls up 
And all these kids get out of the Jeep and they have these big smiles on their faces and they're excited and they're like, that was the coolest thing ever. And they drove to the beach with the top down and they were going on and on about how they all waved to these other Jeeps and it was a really cool thing. And I was like, what in the world? So I went over and checked out his Jeep and I was like, this is a cool vehicle. And for like the next week, all I talked about to my family was Jeep this, Jeep that, Jeep, Jeep, Jeep. And we're out to dinner and my youngest son grabs my husband's phone and says, hey, Siri, where's the nearest Jeep dealer? And it was like a mile down the street. We stopped by, looked at some Jeeps. It was closed, of course. The next day we went, it was Memorial Day of 2013, and I drove off the lot with my first black um, Sahara. Now, how in the world do salesmen make a sale? You just went by there and looked. How do they make a sale that quick? You know, Tony, I I heard so many stories about, oh, it's going to be noisy. It's going to be a rough ride. And so we took it for a test drive and... Never in my life have I had a test drive like that. The Jeep just spoke to me. It just, like, I just felt, it just, I can't even explain it. It just, like, talked to my soul, and I just knew I had to have this vehicle. And I didn't care about low gas mileage. I didn't care if it was (laughs) noisy. And, you know, I just, just something about it. And I've never been into vehicles i've never been into i've got to have this car they were always just a thing to get me from point a to point b and now what was this what were you driving at the time before the jeep the dodge journey which oh and what is that is that a minivan or it's a crossover okay so so it wasn't a hard sell (laughs) no (laughs) no it was an very easy um and i didn't know diddly squat about jeeps at all nothing and actually on the um on the lot i was looking around and i noticed they had the sahara the sport and the rubicon so i asked the salesman i go what's the difference between these because they all look exactly the same right and he was explaining to me that the rubicon had this thing called an off-road package and as soon as he said that i stopped him and i said oh no you don't need to explain anymore. I <laughs> I don't need to know about you that. You can stop I'm right not, there, mister. <laughs> right. I'm not going to be doing that, so we don't need to worry about that. Little did I know, you know, my addiction became bigger and bigger and bigger as I got into the Jeep community. So that's a good direction to go. How long did it take you? I guess what was the, the point that you knew that you wanted to go off-road? I mean, you had the Jeep, you had the Sahara. And then uh, at some point, something happened to encourage you to actually go through that really uh, life-altering event by taking a vehicle that you've already always always driven vehicles on the road to, to being off-road, which I would right. assume it's the first time you've ever been off-road. Right. Oh, it was. Not even like as a passenger had I ever been off-road. And I didn't really know what it was. Um, about a week after... I started, or I bought the Jeep. I started my blog because my neighbor friend said, you should do a blog. And so I, (laughs) I slowly, and to do a blog, you need to be on social media, which I was so unfamiliar with that as well. And then I started seeing people with other Jeeps and we started, I started friending them, this, that, and the other. And I just started seeing these pictures of other Jeepers off road on rocks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to try that. And so this dad, this Boy Scout dad who um, 
I bought my Jeep because of, he and I, you know, we obviously were still in contact because our sons were in the same troop. And he was talking about these classes you can take to learn how to drive your Jeep off-road. And I'm like, oh, that would be a good idea to know how to, what this other shifter thing is for. Mm-hmm. And so I researched it and I found some off-road instructional classes and they happened to be at Roush Creek. And so I signed up for a private one because I couldn't make the um, the general public right. ones. Yeah. And so I went up there, had no idea what I was getting into. And but I bet you it was really exciting. I mean, just everything fresh, new, brand new Jeep. Oh, it was. It was. Um, and it was, actually, it was almost a year after. Was it a year after? It was almost a year after I had... Um, the Sahara, if I remember correctly. But anyway, so it was Kyle was my instructor, and I learned how to put it into four low. I learned about auto shift, and we just did the little green trails, and it was so amazingly fun, and it was it was empowering for me to be able to do this, um, and I had a blast. I another Jeep mom had contacted me who is a really good friend of mine now just shortly after that. And she said, Hey, there's this cool event and it was women's wheeling. And that was my first real off-road experience. And it was so cool to see other women doing this. And I met other women in a Jeep club. I joined that Jeep club and it just grew from there. So uh, what was your, uh, your first modification on your Jeep and why? Um, well, besides the silly little things like floor mats and all that, my first real big one was my front bumper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I sold my kids' Legos to earn money for that. Um, and it was because I wanted my Jeep to look different because you see all these pictures of other people's Jeeps, and there's such a huge variety, and I wanted to be have a unique Jeep to me. And so it was the front bumper, and I... Did the install myself um, with a little help from my husband, you know, um, lifting it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was another great experience. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I can do this all by myself. It and, was and you found easy. Out that it, yeah, you found out that it wasn't as complex as what you thought it was. And, and really, your whole experience has been that. Uh, right. if, if I'm uh, paraphrasing this correctly, uh, it's, it's probably, probably too easy to buy a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> but real easy to take it off road to find some classes so you know how to use it uh, to make modifications. Now there are difficult modifications that you can make, but but you haven't had to do that yet, and and, and you've basically uh, taken the uh, the the uniqueness of the Jeep and made it even more so to make it your Jeep. Right, right. Now there are things on my Jeep that some modifications that I haven't done. I just didn't feel comfortable because I don't have. The equipment, I didn't have the right kind of mechanically inclined friends, I should say, that could help me. And mm-hmm. that's that was my lift. Um, and I did find, finally, uh, a guy local. He has his own shop. And I go there to do some of the more difficult things. And I get to be right there in the shop with him. Like when we put in my Tom Woods drive shaft, when we put in the Yeti. Um, I 
watched them, was right there, and they explained to me everything that they were doing, and they showed me why they were doing certain things. And and so I really got to be there under the Jeep watching them. So that was good and helpful, too. And, and who is that? What shop is that? Oh, that's Adrenaline Off-Road, and they're here in Maryland. Now and Jeff and Mike are fabulous. Now, there's kind of an interesting story behind that that actually ties into the Jeep talk show, isn't does it? Oh, yeah. It was it's pretty funny. Um, I met these police officers at a Jeep event, and they were telling me, they this is their first ever off-road event, and they were telling, one of the guys was telling me he bought new tires, and he got them at a local Jeep off-road shop here where I live. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never heard of that. Where is it? And he told me, and I needed to get some stuff done to my Jeep, so I called up this number, and I said, hey, I was told about your shop from this police officer, blah, 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 blah. And the guy in the other line, Jeff, who's the owner of the shop, says, Tammy? <laughs> and I'm like, I pause because I'm like, okay, my caller ID doesn't say Tammy. Right. I, I never said my name, Tammy. And I'm like, yeah, how do you know my name? He's like, I listen to you on the Jeep talk show. <laughs> that was so... That was really bizarre and kind of, it was really cool. And it was. Um, so he decided to help you world. anyway. It, it, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, and it's turned out to be a great, great partnership. Um, he's a great guy. Um, his mechanic, Mike, um, who does most of the work on my Jeep. Um, it's really fun. And I learned so much from them. So, yeah, and now the Sahara, you did not go through the process of lifting and uh, putting on larger tires. The the Rubicon, which we didn't mm-hmm. uh, we, we didn't uh, talk about, but I'm sure uh, past listeners are, are very much aware that you have a Rubicon. Um, what was the reason behind the upgrade between uh, going from the Sahara, the perfectly fine Sahara, to the uh, also black Rubicon? It's a 2014 right. Rubicon? Um, the Rubicon's a 2015. 2015. I bought it. Yeah, I bought it. Halloween. I'm into to, um, holidays and buying Jeeps, I guess. I guess so. Um, um, I knew I wanted a lift. I knew I wanted Dana 44s. I knew I wanted, you know, just a more capable off-road vehicle than the Sahara, which the Sahara is perfectly fine as an off-road vehicle. But I did not have the the money nor the knowledge to make these upgrades myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the sway bar disconnect and the lockers and, and all that stuff. That the So Rubicon you specifically has, so. wanted the Rubicon and you specifically wanted it for its off-road capability. Exactly. So, and this story's and buying the Rubicon was totally a freak thing too. I went up to Adam's Jeep in Maryland here because they had a Jeep that had purple grill inserts. And I wanted those, and they had a, the name of a powder coater, but I needed to go up there to um, show them the color I wanted. I don't remember why, but anyway, it had something to do with these grill inserts. Right. So I'm up there in their shop, and the guy goes, can I help you? And in their shop is this massively lifted, badass Jeep. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll just take one of those. Just as a little joke, uh-huh. and the salesman heard me and shot right to me, <laughs> like like stepping on uh, <laughs> running over a ketchup packet in the parking right. lot. 
<laughs> here's a sucker that's gonna buy a jeep and you know what um two days later went up and test drove a rubicon my husband was there with me and we traded my sahara um for a black rubicon they did have a blue rubicon but it was um, a manual and i just wasn't sure that i wanted to do that on the rocks with a manual i can drive right. a manual yeah. but i just didn't th think it was a good idea for me to get use a manual on the rocks so yeah, I, honestly whenever i went to get my first jeep i was looking for uh first off it was going to be a uh, a tj a 98 tj with a you know standard transmission and then when we, when we looked at the cherokee in on the showroom uh, I was like, this is great, but do you have one with a, a manual uh, transmission? They said, well, we'd have to order it from the factory, uh, blah, blah, blah. And right. to me, that's what I always thought Jeeps were, you know, not having, never have had owned a Jeep before. I just thought, you know, manual transmission. And then, then when I got into right. it, I found out that, you know, uh, going on the rocks, you really don't want that additional uh, footwork that you have to do is on top of uh, picking the right line. So uh, right. I can certainly understand uh, why the automatic's a good choice. What's the the biggest surprise that you've had? Um, uh, I hate using the the, the standard uh, catchphrase, but uh, being part of the Jeep family, being part of the the, the Jeep's lifestyle. Um, the uh, the welcomingness of everyone. How everyone, you know, it's not, it's not clicky to me. It's not, um, I don't know, when you're in a neighborhood with a bunch of PTA moms, it gets kind of catty and clicky and, you know, I, I just don't feel like that's the way it is in the Jeep community. Everybody's accepting of everybody. Everybody helps everybody. Everybody welcomes everybody. You don't feel... Anyway, I don't. You don't feel, you know, pushed out of the group. Exactly. So, but you um, you have had some issues with clickiness, uh, with uh, uh, people that are very um, have been very harsh on you. Oh, absolutely on a Jeep form, but who knows if they were really Jeep owners? You know, because you don't see them. They don't share their pictures. They you know they talk a big talk and. So some of them I knew were Jeep owners, but yeah, the the forum, one particular forum, they were very, very hurtful. Um, it, it was really an attack that they were trying to make you go away, uh, if right. I remember correctly. And I think a lot of it had to do with jealousy and the fact that I was a woman in a, in a man's world, so to speak. This wasn't very um, long ago. This is what, maybe a year and a half, two years ago? Has it been uh, that long? Gosh, has it been that long? Yeah, it was probably about two years ago. So this is modern day. This isn't, you know, like, uh, I mean, I know, but it wasn't in the 50s, right. but this wasn't uh, the right. male persona of the 50s, you know, madman type thing. This is no. this is modern day. And uh, have you, are you on, uh, are you on other forums besides this one or, or were you? Um, oh, I was on several, um, which I don't go on them anymore. I, I feel like I like, I, except for the Jeep talk shows um, forum, it's really the only one I'm on. But I feel like I get more out of the friendships I've formed from off-roading and meeting people online, like the Carolina Trails off-road guys, um, my Blue Mountain Jeep Alliance, just all the people that I've met 
in person. That was the direction right. I was going to go with this, is the only difficulty you've had with uh, people being asshats is basically uh, on uh, the uh, relative safety of being behind, behind a keyboard 900 miles away from you. Right. And everyone I've met in person and everyone who has recognized me as Jeep Mama from the Jeep Talk Show, they're the most wonderful people I've met, and they're just so kind and open and friendly and welcoming and you know they're not judgmental after having this experience with the forum were you a little concerned uh that uh, when you went out into the public so to speak and started meeting people that you might see this same type of attitude um no because i hadn't seen it um when i would meet people because i was pretty well into my off-road life so to speak um I, I guess that 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 didn't I really That's good. I'm glad my to hear mind. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, now, in, in in your family, uh, there hasn't been a big um, embracing of the of the Jeep life. You're pretty much doing this by yourself. Oh yeah, I have two two boys, um, and my husband. And Michael has been with me once, and he you know didn't mind it he just didn't like the long drive there and back my youngest son has been with me twice and he was with some friends so that was fun <laughs> but none of them are jumping up and down to go with me i ask them to go and they have no interest um and neither does my husband um so it's my thing that's what i do i go by myself and um it's not a family adventure but i'm guessing maybe i don't know maybe not in five or six years, my oldest son is going to go, gosh, um, I sh- should have gone with mom more. That looks like so much fun. But they're really into their gaming and their computers and just t- totally different type of stuff that they like to do. Well, at least now they know uh, a, a jeeper and uh, has has one in the family. They can always uh, ask you questions and what to do right. and uh, get advice if they would, uh, if, if maybe they change their mind in the future and they want to be part of that. Yeah. And I really started my uh, Jeep adventure when they were older. And I think when you have younger kids and you start them out younger, I think they appreciate it more because they are, you know, they have their own friends and they're, you know, they don't, they don't want to be with mom or dad. Oh, very true. Yeah, very true. Especially boys uh, seem to be a lot more independent. So any regrets in uh, getting into the, the Jeep lifestyle? Uh, it doesn't sound like it, but uh, no. other than the, the mega amount of money and time that you've spent. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, I would not change a thing. It has been life-changing um, for the better. And I have met so many people that I never would have met. I'm going to start crying, Tony. Um, <laughs> I've seen that look before, Tammy. I thought yeah. I can see that you're going to. So um, what do you what do you see for the future? What's the, the big things that are coming up uh, for uh, for Tammy and uh, the Jeep life? Um, I would like to one day um, just take a couple months off and take my Jeep from Maryland all the way across the upper states through, you know, like go back to Moab through Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, up through Josh's area, go straight up to Canada, up through Canada to Alaska and dip my toes in the Arctic 
um, ocean. <laughs> frozen toes, your frozen pinky. Right. <laughs> I left my um, pinky in Alaska. <laughs> but what I realized a um, couple, gosh, was a, a month ago when I did that overlanding ev- um, event and I camped sort of in the wilderness, I guess, by myself. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think I want to do it by myself. I yeah, want to share it. Yeah. yeah, I want to share it with someone else. Um so now I just have to find someone else who is gonna want to go. Well, I, I'm to just Alaska gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. If the if your neighbor can tell you to start a blog and you do it, I think she owes you. She needs to go yeah. go with the oh, go with you on an adventure. <laughs> We we joke that we are going to do a blog together where we go to one of my Jeep camping events and either I drop her off at the Marriott and pick her up <laughs> or we're in the tent and she's got her blow dryer and curling iron out. Okay, where do I plug these in, Tammy? Um, sh- she's not a camping girl at all. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Good time to start. Combination. Yeah. So, Tammy, uh, how can everybody uh, find you on the social media? Uh, I mean, I, I know you talk about this on the show quite often, but uh, let's do it right. Well, I am on YouTube, and you can just search YouTube for Jeep Mama. I have off-road videos and how-tos and um, all kinds of fun stuff. It's my vlog, actually, a video blog. It's called Jeep Mama's Garage. You can also... Um, find me on Facebook. Just search Jeep Mama. Um, also, I have my blog is www.jeepmama.com. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Pinterest. Um, and actually, if you just go to my jeepmama.com page, you can find all the links to all those different social media sites. And that's M O M M A. Right. Definitely. Excellent. Tammy, thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you. Well, ordinarily, I'd go ahead and just follow all over myself, thanking the guest for being on the show. But uh, in this case, the guest is all ordinarily already on the show. Tony, am I obligated to thank Tammy for doing her job? Well, Josh, uh, first off, thank you for asking. And the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'll, I'll just take a paycheck for doing my job instead of a thank you. How about that? I'll double it. Uh, okay, great. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Can't pay the bills and thank yous. Well, hey, guys, if you have an idea for a guest, we definitely want to hear it. And maybe you want to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. You don't have to be an industry rep or anything like that. If you have a good Jeep story, maybe you flopped it out on the trail last year, or maybe you're just you know, really proud of your build and you want to talk about it, let us know. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and share your idea for our next great guest. And if you guys are wondering where uh, Team uh, G503 was, uh, so were we. Unfortunately, we didn't get hooked up tonight. I'm really surprised we haven't had uh, more issues with uh, uh, guests uh, uh, missing out. You know, life happens. Things happen. And uh, hopefully we'll have uh, Team G503 back on uh, or scheduled on really, really soon. And coming up next week, and this is going to be fun for all you folks that have been curious about amateur, amateur radio or maybe uh, are amateur radio operators and you'd like to hear some, uh, some hot amateur radio uh, talk on the, on the show. Katie Allen, amateur radio operator and HRO, social media manager, will be joining us next week and we'll be talking about uh, some uh, ham radio stuff in, uh, in your Jeep. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, Josh, I'm not picking on you. 
Uh-oh. But it's pronounced Chillicothe, Ohio, not Chillicothe, ah. or mm-hmm. however you upper uh, west, northwest hippies say it. <laughs> but he's not picking uh, on you. Chillicothe. It should just roll off the tongue. The Q is silent. And uh, Tony, I'm, I'm glad you don't have your heat creep problem on your Jeep anymore, uh, but I think I found it. So I'm going to uh, box it back up and uh, send it to you. No. I don't want it. I have no use for it. And boys and girls, I'll uh, chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. Where's the joke? Nah, I think the joke was me butchering the name of the city oh. last week. I, or for a couple few weeks. Yeah, that, that was that was a tough one for me. And I had no idea. I was like, I, I man, I don't know anybody from this town. Uh, this is not one that's familiar to me. I hear I'm gonna take my best shot and it was tomato tomato. I, I was close. Yeah, you do a lot better at it than I do. I just I give up halfway through. You actually may read ahead. I, I that's the other thing to me. It's always surpri- a surprise when I'm reading it for the first time. You must have needed this every day. I need it. It's the Deep Talk Show's must have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Well, we love talking about lights. Tony, I know you're a big fan of the stuff that makes light. And, uh, well, the new line of G3 LED bulbs brings performance and quality that we've really never seen before on the automotive market. Now, they feature pulse width modulation control to eliminate flickering in most applications. I know a lot of us Jeep owners have a problem with that, especially the JK crowd out there. These also have a wider adjustable beam. That's right. These headlight bulbs have an adjustable beam and a thinner circuit board for a seamless beam as well. And most importantly, it's a plug and play design. The G3 LEDs are available in all the most common bulb types, including H4, H7, H8, H9, H11, H13. Well, you get it. Even the 9000s and all that sort of stuff, meaning you don't have to mess with cheap lenses or replacing the entire housing with some ugly bug-eyed LED unit from China that blinds everyone and gets you in trouble. Now, each bulb houses a made-in-the-USA Cree XPL chip with a 6200,000 cool white color to maximize color output and contrast in dark climates. And because it's Cree and made by Pia, it's all backed by a five-year warranty. These are brand new, so expect the current price point in the low 200s to come down after these have been out for a little while. But if you want to get a set for yourself right now, we'll have a link for you in the show notes of this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. So I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to add these uh, these pictures that you included in the show notes into uh, our, uh, our our Jeep Talk Show website uh, show notes for the for the public to view. But I swear that in this this top photo uh, photo that you put in there, Josh, the one that for mm-hmm. the G three LED, not the stock one, um, yeah. it it almost looks like the atmosphere is catching on fire. I see a bit <laughs> of a haze to the no seriously the the the, the, the comparison uh, from the you know the the stock halogen to the G3 LEDs I mean it looks as if these lights are so bright that it's igniting the gases in the atmosphere I mean it is some serious lumen output and uh, so uh, what I love about these is that they just they drop right in you take your old bulbs out you put these right in your plug and play good to go. And it's just immediate night and day difference, no pun intended. So I'm thinking the the only uh, living being that is uh, that uh, doesn't like this is uh, Bigfoot. He's just saying, "Oh, frack it! I'm <laughs> going back home." <laughs> <laughs> Do some squatch hunting with these. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, now they say that they're DOT legal, and uh, and all the specs and everything are on Pia's website. Like I said, we'll have the link over uh, for for these that you can find. 
uh, over at jeeptalkshow.com. So got to check them out, guys. I'd love to see some new Jeepers uh, rolling these things. But hey, if you're running plastic lenses, you probably don't want to run these. Uh, the, these things will run a little bit warm. But uh, yeah, if you have plastic lenses, maybe stay away. Well, PMX uh, or ARB, depending on which one, which way you want to go, same company. Uh, they make some really now nice housings that are about eighty bucks, I think, for for a set. You're thinking of IPF. PIA and IPF are different. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It has a P in both of them, though. Well, yeah, you're uh, P N and I. I mean, you're close. You're two thirds of the way there. Yeah, uh, you're even making my point. Thank you. <laughs> well, hey, now that you guys must have these new G3 LEDs from PIA, we'll make it easy for you. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 338. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Where? Where? So I was going to talk a little bit about something tonight that, uh, I don't know, you guys may not uh, be all uh, excited to hear about. But I, it's come up a few times since we've been promoting the uh, Tom Woods uh, drive shaft, Tom Woods uh, custom drive shafts. And I was really surprised. Oop. Yeah, I was really surprised to hear anything negative about uh, Tom Wood's stuff. I mean, uh, the customer service I've gotten from Tom over the last 10 years has been top-notch. The, the drive shaft that I've uh, been running that I bought with the SYE kit on the MP242, uh, I've had no problems with that thing for like going on 10 years. And I mean, I haven't done anything to it except just drive the hell out of my Jeep uh, every day. So uh, when I started posting this stuff up about Tom Woods' uh, drive shaft, these uh, pictures that we were taking and uh, taking and, uh, and posting up on social media, uh, I had a, a couple, of, at least a couple, come back and talk about Tom Woods' cheap Chinese junk, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, what what about a drive shaft can you have that's cheap Chinese junk? Is it the the steel? Is it the 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 what? Josh, have you heard anything about this? About Tom Woods having a problem with uh, cheap parts? No, I really haven't, and that's what kind of surprised me too. Is because you know, I mean, I've I've been an off road nut for for most of my life, and uh, you know, Tom Woods has been a name that's been around for a long time, and it, it has always had a very good reputation that yeah. comes with it in in all sorts of circles. So you know where this is coming from, I didn't really know. Now I know that everybody out there has got competition. You know, Tom Woods isn't the only player is you know doing doing driveline stuff for the off road crowd. Um, but you know, I mean, whether it's competition or whether it's something else, I you know I didn't know. I you know was very interested in digging into this a little deeper too. So uh, I actually uh, because I don't know how to uh, uh, have manners and things, I just reached out to Tom and asked him. <laughs> 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 no boundaries, Tom. I'm yeah. coming right out. I don't, my inner voice is the outer <laughs> voice. And I said, Tom, what's what the hell is going on with these people talking about uh, cheap Chinese junk? And, uh, you know, he could have just ignored the email. It wasn't like I was calling him up on the phone or anything. And uh, he came, he right back to me. He says, oh, man, that's an old story. And uh, he, uh, he, he basically uh, related uh, the story and actually sent me a uh, PDF of uh, the letter that uh, his lawyer sent uh this uh this individual so basically uh and, and we'll just say the last initial eddie o uh was actually a, a website owner and apparently uh he had a habit uh allegedly of uh saying hey advertise on my website and if somebody wouldn't advertise he'd start talking shit about you <laughs> yep <laughs> and one of the things that he did look up eddie o and and uh, and see what you find. It's it is amazing. I can't imagine anybody 
uh, living like this. Uh, I mean, trying to make a living like this. But anyway, uh, uh, basically, uh, <laughs> the, he started the, the Tom Woods cheap Chinese junk after Tom Woods was uh, offered uh, to you know spend money on the advertising on uh, one of uh, Eddie's websites or two of Eddie's websites. And he politely said, no, thank you. Uh, he just didn't think he had the reach and uh, things that uh, were needed. You know, basically a business decision, a, a proper business decision is what it sounds mm-hmm. like. Yeah. So it, it, it just boggles my mind that uh, some individual can have this much power. And, and looking at the date of the, the letter that uh, the law uh, firm sent uh, Eddie I think it was like 10 years ago. It was in the uh, like the, the mid-2000s when this was going on. And people are still repeating it. That's yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you, you put, I mean, and this guy really did go out of his way to try and drum, drum up as much, you know, negative comment about companies as he could who wouldn't advertise on his websites or, you know, whatever. So, you know, once that stuff is out there, it's out there, you know, and, and it takes a while for that to kind of get flushed away. And, and during the huge aftermarket boom in the early 2000s, this sort of started coming up and, and those who knew really kind of took it with a grain of salt. And, and eventually this Eddie O character kind of got a reputation for himself as well. I can't imagine the karma that's coming this guy's way. Oh, seriously. Well, Tammy, you actually saw the guy uh, out at, uh, at a meet someplace, didn't you? Uh, when I was in Moab. Yeah. So he's out and running around and doing GP things. And uh, I'm just, I'm just really surprised. Uh, I, I mean, if Eddie O would like to send us a voicemail or something and explain his side of the story, be happy to uh, play it on the show or even uh, talk to him about it. But uh, I'll look at you being all fair and balanced. Well, I'm trying stuff. to be, I mean, there's two sides to every story, but I just don't, I, I mean, the gold seal U joints, which I think is what they were referring to as being cheap Chinese junk. Uh, I ran it for ten years, and I'm not light on my foot on that. Uh, I was gonna on say, that Jeep. Man. I mean, I put a lot of torque on that rear drive shaft, and uh, so uh, typically, uh, cheap Chinese junk doesn't come with a uh, you know unlimited lifetime warranty type of stuff either. So yeah. So anyway, I, I would really recommend you guys going out there and doing some research on uh, why this is being said. Now, um, when I one of the individuals that uh, had uh, talked about this, uh, he didn't say cheap Chinese crap. He basically said that the U joints uh, would fail after six months, and uh, ah. to, to be careful with that, and uh, that the the U joints uh, were going to fail after six months, and then uh, uh, I, I basically uh, you went back to Tom uh, with this, and he said, you know, because uh, initially they weren't able to sell Spicer because of the uh, company that. Uh, he had quit before he started his own job. They, they were basically, it sounded like some collusion there where uh, he wasn't able to get the Spicer joints. So he had to go to something else. And that's how the gold uh, gold seal U-joints came about. But now he is an authorized uh, sh- distributor for both Spicer and is it Nipco ne- or Nipco? I've never heard of Nipco. Anyway, uh, the, he's got, the, you, you want your drive shaft built with Spicer and Nipco? You can do that. But the only problem is, is that if you wanted that lifetime warranty on the Gold Seal uh, U-joints, you ain't going to get it on the Spicer or the Nipco uh, U-joints. But if you want that stuff in there, you can certainly order it with it in there. Um, you know, I, I just, I, like I said, the drive shaft's been great for me. Uh, the drive shafts I have in there now, they're new. Uh, we'll see if, they, <laughs> if they're still in one piece after six months, but I strongly suspect they will be. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have had zero issues for many, many years of relationship with Tom Woods. And we've just recently 
uh, started advertising uh, for them. So it, it's not like, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things I like advertising on the show are, are companies and products that, that I use and I believe in. And yep, if I here. if I don't use it, uh, I got to believe in it. If I don't believe in it, we'll just have to walk away from, you know, the money on the table because I, I don't want to tell people out there what they should be using. And then it just comes up and bites them. One thing about the Tom Woods drive shafts, I have the front drive shaft is maybe this person didn't know that you need to maintain it. You can't just put it on and leave it. Oh, very you, true. You need to, to grease those parts, and especially um, if you're going to be taking your Jeep through w- lots of water and have it submerged for a significant amount of time, you really need to, after that day of wheeling, you need to get in there and make sure um, that you've got all those points greased. Yep, yep. Very good point. There there are other driveline uh, companies out there. Uh, feel free to use them, and uh, you may be very successful with them. I mean... Uh, I think it's great that there's competition. It's it's great for us. It's always great for the consumer that there's competition. But uh, I personally, when I did the research, uh, I wanted my daily driver to get me back and forth to work with uh, as few issues as possible. I went with Tom Woods. It was a, it was a very easy decision for me. Ah, I missed you guys last week. I wanted to talk about stuff and uh, <laughs> yeah, we all did. I think. Yeah, I, I had a few things to uh, to cover as well, but uh, busy busy week for me the last last week or so. I mean, we had Father's Day last weekend, and uh, I'm sure everybody was uh, kind of doing the family duty sort of thing and uh, all that sort of stuff. But um, you guys might have heard the last couple of weeks um, me wrapping up my transfer case rebuild and down the last couple components, and couldn't get this one bearing to seat and trying. Everything. I mean, I all but you know taking into a machine shop and and having you know a big you know huge press put in, um, put it in, and and nothing is working. And I'm like, there, there's got to be something that is preventing this from from seating all the way. And so you know, being the dumb jeeper that I am, um, you know, having just grabbed the right bearing or so I thought, um, I go and compare the bearing that I'm trying to press in with the one that I took out, and lo and behold, it's like three times as thick. And I'm like, well then I must have grabbed the wrong bearing. No, that can't be. I've used all the bearings already. This is the last one. This has to be it. It even has the same groove for the for the lock ring and everything. I mean, it's this is what's supposed to go in there. So, you know, I'm looking at some pictures and I'm, you know, looking at, and I've got two transfer cases here. So I, you know, look at the, I actually go through some more disassembly on the other one, pull out that bearing. Sure enough, it's also thin, just like the one that I'm supposed to be hmm. pressing in. But this rebuild kit that I got came with this big thick bearing. What's going on here? So I, I'm doing some research online, find out that these thicker bearings are actually what came on the older Jeep 242s. And so I call up Novak and I left a message and then I emailed them and I included some pictures and saying, hey guys, you know, this is what happened. This is my order number. This is what I got. This is what I'm supposed to have. What do we got to do here? Because I've got some things coming up and I need to get this resolved. Um, so they were actually very quick to handle this. Now, I didn't discover this until uh, it was like uh, it was on a weekend. So they didn't get the message until <laughs> until Monday. But after only three hours of being open, they called me. 
and we're like, you know, hey, um, you know, we got your your message and everything. Um, you know, can you give us some more details? What's going on? So we talked a little bit about talked with it, and, and I spoke with a gentleman. I, I don't have the the notes that I have uh, during that phone call with me, so I forgot his name. And and uh, Novak, if you're listening, uh, you know, hey, uh, props to you. But um, he's like, uh, we're gonna get this taken care of for you. We 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 understand what happened. We know how to fix it. Um, the next person you're gonna be talking to is from our shipping department and they're going to get with you about, you know, where it's got to go and how it's going to get there and all that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, sure, great, whatever. I'll pay for shipping, whatever I got to do. I didn't say that, but, and about an hour or two later, I get a call from another guy and he's just like, you know, this is from, you know, so-and-so from Novak. Uh, Where do we want to send this? This is what we're sending you. This is what it is, you know, and this is when when you're going to have it. And it was less than, I mean, it was three or four days shipping. I had that week. The problem was, is that that was the day before I'm supposed to be doing this four wheel parts event. And it was like, well, I don't have the time to, you know, to make this happen in 24 hours or less. Um, so, you know, and still with, with driveline issues, none, nonetheless. So, um, glad that the, the, the transfer case issue got resolved, a driveline issue popped up. Um, but that, that's something that will get, get handled over, uh, the next coming, you know, weeks or months. So yeah, what is that driveline um, issue you're referring to? So, um, when I, when I pulled off the drive, now the, for those who don't know, the Jeep's been sitting for about three years. Now it's been in the garage the entire time getting the engine rebuilt and, and the transfer case rebuilt, uh, and all that slow and, 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 and low progress, but, uh, but it's getting done little by little pulling off this rear drive line to, um, to get the transfer case out and, and get the rebuild process going, I noticed that the slip yoke was completely seized. And so now I do have a slip yoke eliminator. Obviously that slip yoke is on the drive shaft now instead of at the transfer case. Um, and I'm putting all of my 200 and some odd pounds on that drive line, trying to get it to compress. It will not budge. Uh, hmm. so, I, so I've strange. got, yeah, I've now, I've abused this Jeep. I mean, this is this Jeep has been a weekend warrior for for years. It's been retired from daily driver status for a long time, and I wheel in some pretty deep rocks. You know, I, I I'm not light on the Jeep, uh, and I've definitely put that Jeep on the drive line a couple of times. I, there's a good chance that, that it's just you know it's a little bit warped, a little bit bent. It just doesn't have nice free, you know, uh, free flowing, smooth splines to, to engage and disengage on that, on that slip yoke. So, uh, I've called up a couple driveline shops and, and I've just got to get it down there, um, and get it dropped off for them to take a look at it. Likely what's going to happen is that, you know, that slip yoke section is going to have to be rebuilt yeah, cut or out. cut out yeah. and, and then re, you know, a new one welded back in. I talked to a, to a guy who, a shop who, um, is local to me. It's a, it's a nationwide chain. Um, uh, six states who I've, who I recommend, they do great driveline work as well. If you need a driveline shop in your area, um, you know, you can check them out. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, haven't doing rebalancing and, and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's by the time I get this done two weeks late, I would have liked to have had this for the four wheel parts grand opening that I, uh, um, was, you know, taking a part in, in this last weekend. Well, and, uh, you, speaking, you would have felt good uh, being there in the Jeep, but nobody probably would have noticed. They're all looking at uh, no, the guy right. talking, but I know what you mean. <laughs> well, speaking of the guy talking, that that was me, um, actually, but I was doing double duty um, with uh, a member from the Northwest Jeepcast. You guys might have heard of them. We've had them here on the show, and uh, I think we've even appeared on their show. Um, but, uh, yeah, they came down from the um, the Washington area. Well, one of the Garys from the Northwest Jeepcast came down. And, that was going to be my next um, question. Was it, a, was it a Gary Fest or just a, a single Gary? 
It was just a single Gary, a single. Well, he was not single. He's uh, with his wife and kid. Um, but <laughs> he, uh, no, it was a good time. We we had a good time. The weather was great. Uh, there was a huge amount of people there. Uh, Four wheel parts went above and beyond. Uh, they gave away a ton of stuff. I mean, a, a high lift jack, a winch, um, a, 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 one of those, um, a jerry can that's not really a jerry can. It's a toolbox type of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, tons of gift cards like you wouldn't believe and uh, played some games. They had uh, they had some cars there that people were driving their Jeeps over. So if you know if you ever wanted to you know pretend you were a monster truck driver in your Jeep <laughs> or, you know, just fulfill those those like. You stop and go traffic type of daydreams where I'm just going to drive over this guy. I swear to God, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, so you it was to, awesome. You had to be really careful where you were parking your Honda then. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> it was funny because there was actually this this one kid uh, who we had going. It was at, at the end of the day and, and things were kind of, you know, the vendors were all wrapping up their booze and, and, and heading out. And, and this one kid was uh, was just kind of coming up and talking with us and. And, uh, and he's just like, so what, what did you drive? And, you know, he's talking to me and, and, and he's like, where's your Jeep? And I'm just like, well, you know, uh, there's an yeah. interesting story behind yeah, that. Here's right. my so car. You can listen to it on the show. Well, this, this kid's like, you know, he's seven, eight, nine years old. I mean, oh, you know, so, it's, so I, I had to pull the chain a little bit and I was just like, well, you know, I, I my car's red. I parked it over here somewhere, you know, is it? I parked it over there and I'm pointing to where the cars were parked that they were driving over and stuff. And I was like, I haven't been over there in a while. Can Is it okay? Do you think it's all right? Do you think my car is okay? You know, and, and the kid, you could see the color just drop from this kid's face. because He knows that he's been seeing these badass Jeeps driving over these cars all day long. Like, there's no way your car's okay, guy. You know? Good save. Right. Good save. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, we, we had fun. We had fun. At the end of the day, Four Wheel Parts gave away a $1,000 shopping spree, and uh, I just couldn't be more proud to be a part of that. The, the kid who won it just absolutely lit up, and uh, it was cool because he was actually um, one of the people that was on my team during a game that we were playing. And so I kind of got a double win, you know, kind of, you know, for the Jeep talk show there. I was like, yeah, my guy, you know, so, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I had, I had a lot of fun and, and, uh, but I wish it was, would have been nice to have the Jeep there, but, uh, got some more events coming up this summer and the Jeep should be done here in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, we'll get it out there. And of course you guys will know the first, it would be the first to know once things start up. Well, guys, I, my headlight went out again. And so I, <laughs> Like, uh, I know. So Is it the I same got, one, Tammy? Yep, it's the same one. So I got in there, and when I was at URI, the guy's like, oh, you need to put a zip tie around the connectors, which I had done that to from the, the wiring harness to the headlight, but I needed to do it apparently from the wiring harness to the stock connector. So I got in there, and all of a sudden, as I'm fiddling with the headlight and the wiring harness and the, the stock, um, connector, it started flashing. And so I'm like fiddling with all the wires and all the connectors. And what I found is it was the connector that is the factory connector. And so I was jiggling those wires and I could blink the light off and on. And I'm like, there you go. That's my problem. So I called Jeff at Adrenaline Off-Road and he ordered um, from a the, from Jeep a new connector and some wires. So we get it there, and um, the first thing Mike does, and he's an electrician by trade, so he really knows his stuff. 
the first thing he does is he gets out this spray can and he's spraying this liquid all over this connector and it's um, electric cleaner and which is a really cool liquid and it because it dries really fast but anyway I thought that was cool so then he takes they didn't have any paper clips in the shop so I carry paper clips now with me but he got a, a cotter pen and he put it into the connector and he's in the holes you know cleaning it out it didn't look corroded at all but he put the pins in there and cleaned it out and then he put some dielectric grease in there hooked it up and it's good so we're thinking and i jiggled the wires he jiggled the wires we jiggled the connector and stuff um they've seen this quite a bit where these once you take out your factory headlights and you put something new in there and i've got a couple people have commented on my social media sites they corrode super fast. So, so, so one of the things I've noticed is uh, the connectors that are used on these uh, headlights, uh, usually from China, uh, don't have the best metal uh, being used mm. for the for the connectors. And yes. if they are a different kind of metal, or they have a covering that is different than what you're plugging it into, uh, that's going to be that's going to cause uh, corrosion to to happen because of the dissimilar metals. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, if you've noticed a color change, a color difference between the one you plug into and the one, the the thing you're plugging in, it, like they should be kind of a brass color, uh, uh, not not really copper, but kind of a brass color. And if if one's like silver and the other one's brass, that's probably dissimilar metals, and it's going to mm-hmm. cause corrosion. Yeah, right, absolutely. So knock on wood. I think that was the problem. It was just corroded. Well, it's going to come back. So is what I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. It, it likely. Tony's right, Tammy. It likely will come back. Uh, it may not happen right away, uh, but the dielectric grease will help to a certain extent. A little bit of the cleaning will help to a certain extent. Um, def- Tony definitely raised a good point there, um, but that's not necessarily the only one either. When they pin out these these plugs, they they put these things together and they they put the wires at the end of the, the little terminals. They push the terminals into the little plastic block, and now you have a wire harness. Um, sometimes those terminals, the you know the mating ends of these terminals, the tolerances on these just yeah. aren't all that great, and so you may have. You know, the female end that's a little bit too big for that male end, and it's just not quite getting the connection that the other four, you know, three or four pins in that harness are, have. And, and so, you know, you might have to get in there and, and fiddle with, uh, you know, kind of pinching things a little closed and cleaning things up and whatnot. And, and obviously, any kind of, you know, pulling apart and putting it back together is going to refresh that connection to a certain extent. But yeah, definitely something that you want to keep an eye on. Now, an option. It would be to um, completely cut out those plugs and to go with um, something else. Now, that is going to be kind of a little bit more of an entailed project. It does require specialty tools. You need special crimpers for that. Uh, and obviously, you have to buy the pins and the plugs and everything else to build the ends of these har- rebuild the ends of these harnesses, basically. But when you do that, you're going to get a weatherproof connection that is going to be super duper solid and you'll never ever have to worry about this again. Now, I'm surprised there's not somebody out there that is doing a, a here's the kit that you need to do this type of thing because as, as common of a problem as this is, but the supplies are out there. You can get them just about anywhere. Mauser, DigiKey, Amazon, all these places will have those sort of um, plugs that you, that you need to make this sort of thing happen. Yeah, and getting rid of all those connections is always a help. All right, well, so 
I'm sorry, Tammy. I was just nope, going to nope. uh, roll this Go along right ahead. there. So, uh, you all, everybody knows about the Atlas. I have uh, some more uh, great news. Uh, going to be uh, uh, the day after uh, uh, July 4th. I guess they call that July the 5th. Uh, I am scheduled to have one, if not both, uh, ARB air lockers installed in my Jeep. Ooh. So, uh, today, instead of preparing for the show, I had the lockers out and was pulling all the stuff out and looking at it. I, you know, I bet you they've been here three or four years, and I bet you it's longer, uh, simply because I didn't want to be without my Jeep uh, for a week and uh, spend uh, $1,000 having them installed. Uh, I'll have you know that uh, because of uh, West Houston Jeepers, a, uh, a page on uh, a group on Facebook, uh, I uh, ran across this uh, this gentleman, uh, Lone Star uh, Drive Shafts or Lone Star Axles, uh, that is about three miles from the house, lives here Ooh, in Katy, nice. has a shop at his house, uh, best I can tell, uh, and uh, I am, uh, he's about, uh, he's got about two weeks before he, ha- he has any time to, to do anything, so uh, I've been talking to him on Facebook and getting things scheduled. We finalized today for uh, July the 5th, and uh, he's not only going to be able to install uh, the lockers for me, uh, he's also going to be able to do it uh, the same day. And that means I don't have to leave my Jeep, uh, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm hoping I can stand there and watch and uh, ask a bunch of stupid questions and be told to, to shut up and, or leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have that thing. Well, it's like, uh, if you want me to do this, it's going to be this much. If uh-huh. you want to watch, it's going to be this much more. And if you want to help, we're going to double it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so really excited about that. And uh uh, several of you know, uh, if you follow us on the Jeep Talk Show uh, group or the Jeep Talk Show page on Facebook, that I was hoping to get out to uh, Hidden Valley uh, Adventure Off-Road uh, Park uh, this weekend, but with uh, the uh, tropical uh, storm that has came in and uh, dumped uh, some rain in this area, I'm a little concerned about going out there and you know driving three hours in the park being closed or just being a, a, a literally a hot mess with the, the heat from uh, from Texas. So uh, going to put that off, and actually it works out well because uh, now I can get the lockers installed, and um, the the first uh, roll out to uh, the to the, the the park will be uh, hopefully uh, I've got a lot of stuff to do. Got to get the uh, air system installed, but uh, hopefully it'll be out there with uh, Atlas transfer case, uh, lockers front and rear, and uh, gee, all I need is about fifty more buttons for downhill descent. Uh, heated <laughs> seats and everything else, and I just stand there. I just get a, a little chair and set it up and just watch my Jeep go over things, <laughs> take videos. Oh, look at that build I did! It's doing a good job. <laughs> you need the air conditioned seats instead of the heated seats. That's Tony. very oh. true. Uh, very. That true. is a whoever invented air conditioned seats is my hero. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no blowing smoke up my ass, but I will take some AC. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, do you guys want to join in on the campfire side chat? We'd love to have you. Grab a chair, crack a beer, join us. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. 
And don't forget, if you want a, an event to be talked about here on the show, well, you got to get those emails in at least two weeks in advance. Now we've got a little bit of a last-minute addition here to the show, but I want to thank listener Nick for sending this one in, talking about the Southern Four-Wheel Drive Association Meet and Ride happening June 23rd. Now, as we are recording this, that would be this coming weekend. It's happening at Uwari Off-Road Training Center in Troy, North Carolina. Now, they're going to meet and stage at the training center. The gates open up at 8 meeting and there will even be a raffle to benefit scott fields that will happen at nine and they're going to plan to depart for the trails about 10 a.m if you want to learn more about this last minute event well we'll have a link for it and on the show notes at jeeptalkshow.com now we have the 66th annual jeepers jamboree happening july 26th through the 29th this is a fully guided and supported trip through the one and only rubicon trail you've never heard about or know the details about what a jeepers jamboree is well goodness gracious add this to your list this is a, an event that you definitely want to be a part of. We have the Louisiana Wheeling for Warriors happening July 27th through the 29th at the Catahoula Recreation Off-Road Park in Sicily Island, Louisiana. For more information on this, just head over to jeeptalkshow.com. Um, fifth annual annual Jeep Beach Potluck happening July 28th at 10 a.m. at the beach at Grant Park in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I want to thank uh, Isaac S. for submitting that one to us as well. And uh, Big Snatch Off-Road presents the Old Dominion Jeep Fest happening August 11th through the 12th at the uh, 1781 Brewing Company and Wilderness Run Vineyards in Spotsylvania, Virginia. Well, we will, of course, have the link for that one as well at JeepTalkShow.com. Um, Jeep Talk Show Texas event, Tony. What's going on in Texas? So uh, I mentioned that we were canceling the, uh, the the run up to Hidden Falls Adventure Park for this weekend, but uh, I, I did have in mind about uh, getting together with some of our listeners uh, and heading out there maybe in a couple of weeks when I was talking about it on last show and the, the show prior to that. So uh, giving a little more thought and uh, with these other events that are coming up, uh, events with my Jeep, getting the lockers installed, and giving people time to actually make plans. I certainly don't want to do go out there uh, with a group on July 4th weekend because that would be, oh, I mean, yeah. it makes sense, but boy, it's, it's going to be a nightmare as far as the number of people that are out there. So I'm thinking about uh, going to the Hidden Falls Adventure Park here in Texas. It's in Central Texas, Marble Falls, uh, on uh, July 14th, which is a Saturday. So um, I've, uh, I've reached out to the folks at the Hidden Falls Adventure Park to get a little information uh, there is a, a, a possibility that we could get a, a discount on the tickets uh, if we have 20 or more Jeeps going. I don't think we're going to have that many people going, but if you're interested in going, I mean really interested in going, uh, w- let me know about it. I probably will be setting up an event on Facebook. If you're not already following us uh, on Facebook, uh, just uh, do a search for Jeep Talk Show. There is a uh, official Jeep Talk Show page on Facebook, and there's a Jeep Talk Show group that is anything but official. <laughs> a, lot of sh- a lot of shenanigans go on over in the Jeep Talk Show group. <laughs> Those guys, that page, goodness yeah. gracious. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll be putting up an event as we as I uh, get a little more information about this. But right now, I'm looking at going up on July the 14th uh, to the Hidden Falls Adventure Park there in Marlboro Falls. So this to be a really nice park. A few people have talked about going to Wolf Caves, uh, and uh, hey, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, but this one, uh, we're going to do Hidden Falls, unless something happens. Uh, but right now, that's the plan. So uh, mark it, uh, pencil it in on your calendar. We'd love to get you out there. 
and uh, meet up with you, get some pictures, uh, hand out a few Jeep Talk Show stickers because uh, we're supposed to be getting a bunch of those in tomorrow. Anyway, uh, stay tuned and uh, go over to our uh, follow us on the uh, Jeep Talk Show uh, Facebook page so you can keep up with uh, with this event. Uh, if you're in Texas, you're, of course, more than welcome. If you want to drive here from Alaska, Dan, uh, I'm more than happy <laughs> calling him out. Jeez. I think they've already left. They've yeah, already they have. left. Yeah, they're traveling. So uh, but uh, but it, it, it doesn't matter where you are. If you want to come to the event, you're more than welcome. But I certainly wouldn't expect you know somebody to come from five states away. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that's some great news. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting out there and uh, 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 shaking some hands and having some fun off road. Really glad you didn't say shaking sticks. And now you're itching to play with those twin sticks. All right, Jeepers, do you know of an off-road event coming up? Well, shoot us an email with some details. Have you been to a Jeep event recently? Well, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to our contact page at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Oh, and folks, don't forget, you can follow me on my blog at www.jeepmama.com. And if you need a voice for your product or your business, check out my professional voiceover services at voiceofjosh.com. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow, friend, like, subscribe, and above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you're wheeling, if you pack it in, come on, pack it out. And don't wheel where you're not supposed to. Remember to always tread lightly. If you'd like to learn more about the Tread Lightly principles, head over to treadlightly.org. Warning, the following is unnecessary warning. Paying too much attention to distracting unnecessary warnings may end up distracting you from actual warnings resulting in serious injury to person, property, or sense of humor. Casting since 2010.